Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Bravo come. Can we introduce ourselves? It's me, Van Lathan. It's me, Rachel Lindsay. Now, BravoCon. Talk about it. I was there for three days in Vegas, longer than I like to be. It was so much fun. So much fun. I mean, if you're a fan of Bravo TV, all the shows, everyone's there. Um, They're doing panels. They're doing exclusive premieres. They're giving you exclusive, not premieres, but... um, where they're letting you know when shows premiere. They're giving you exclusive clips, exclusive trailers. Um, they have a bazaar where you can buy all bazaar. the products. Yeah, it's called Bravo Bazaar, where you can buy all the products that the Bravo Liberties sell. Bravo Liberties? That's what they're called. So not celebrities. Bravo Liberties? Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I moderated three panels. Nice. Yes. I where, had, where were the panels? I had Ask Andy. Okay. So it was me and Andy Cohen. I saw that. I saw you and him hanging out. And then I uh, had the Potomac reunion, which got... Spicy? Yeah. I yeah. didn't see it last night. I had to moderate. I had to moderate. Like, I mean, they don't get along right now. There's a lot of tension on the panels. Why? I had to even say, like, you got to be quiet. You got to let her answer this question. Hey, we're not going to do that. I had a headache after. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and then I had a panel called Day One Divas where it was uh, housewives who've been with their franchises from day one and are still around. Who are those housewives? Um, Kyle Richards from Beverly Hills. Still kicking. Mm-hmm. Heather Gay from Salt Lake City. Don't know who that is. Um, Vicki Gunvalson, the OG of the OC. Never heard of her. Okay. Well, she was the first season, first city ever because OC is the first city. Yeah. Um, Robin. Dixon. Okay. Uh, Giselle Bryant. Nice. And Teresa Judice. So there's no one from Atlanta that's still on there from the beginning? Atlanta, no one cares about Atlanta anymore. Maybe huh? Sheree. Well, sh- yeah, Sheree's a, a, a day Atlanta's one. done, huh? They don't care. I did say during Ask Andy that I think they need to like revamp it. Revamp it? Yeah. Doesn't mean everybody's got to go, but they got to shake it up. New York did that. And it's been wildly successful. Who would they put on there in Atlanta now if they revamped it? Who would you put on there? Well, I don't know. It's got to be people who live in Atlanta. I think what's hard is that in Atlanta, you have a lot of people who desire to be housewives. And so it's like, are you being a caricature of a housewife or are you going to bring yourself to the show? And I think that's what they're struggling with because it started in 2008. 2006, 2008, Housewives. You look like you were so in your element when you were talking about that. Like you love the Housewives and everything. I do. And I have a podcast, Morally Corrupt. Corrupt. Episodes drop every Friday. You're on The Ringer. MC. You love it. MC is the place to be. Nah, it's not. What, uh, what, Potomac premiered last night. Potomac premiered. It was good. They gave us a little bit more than an hour. I was watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And how many times have you seen that? A lot. Yeah, come on. But I need to get up on Potomac. But nobody... Is that... Are y'all doing that for rewatchables? Is that why yeah, you're watching? Yeah, okay. But nobody... No one... No one won. I feel like when I started talking about my love of Potomac, no one, like, supported. No one agreed. I did. I was thrilled. Wrong. I, when I talked about the characters that I like on the show, everybody was like, you like the wrong people. Well, they didn't feel like you were well-versed enough to give a knowledgeable ranking. Because of what? Because you don't watch it. Well, I've from what I've watched, I talked about what I liked. 
Who was your number one? It's Giselle, right? It was Giselle, probably Giselle. It's like Giselle Robin. I like uh what's the one with um I like Candace. Okay. I like uh They do not get along. Giselle and Candace don't get along. Nah, man. But it's good that you like Giselle because they have a podcast and they like to do a little stuff stuff and stuff. And you yeah, can talk about here. your Potomac, um, your love for Potomac. I'm shocked you knew it premiered last night. Kaliko was all over it. Okay. I turned Kaliko on to Potomac. It's, I got to tell you something, man. Is Juan Dixon going to be featured prominently on this one? I think he has to be. They have to leave Juan Dixon alone. Man. Uh, Juan Dixon's doing a lot. Allegedly. Allegedly, man. Hold on. I will blow my nose into the microphone right uh-uh, now. Uh-uh. Are you sick? No, I'm not sick. Something happened this morning to where my nose is all irritated. Hold on. Watch okay. This. Oh, yeah. And if I did that, what you would say to me is, did you get tested? Did I get tested? That's what you would say to me. I've been tested before. I've been tested for all kinds of things. Okay. That would be a no. Um, what you do this weekend? Hung out. Saturday, watched uh, yet another LSU-Alabama loss. Unfortunately. Yeah, that game was on everywhere in Vegas. As I was um, and then Sunday, uh, the Midnight Boys came over to the apartment. Watch a little football. Football. Kai came over. Kai from here in the ringer brought his sister and his girlfriend over. Is he a Midnight Boy? No, he's not a Midnight Boy. Okay. He looks like Logic. He, he's a producer here at the ringer. Is he a producer? What's, what is Kai's a producer? <laughs> oh, he said, kind of, kind of. Kai's great. I like Kai. Kai was over. Charles was over. Jomi was over. We played Spider-Man, the video game. Where was Kalika? At the house hanging out with us. I'm going to start telling Kalika, just you have an open invitation. When the Midnight Boys come over, come to my house. You. I've hung out with the Midnight Boys, though, and it is a lot of fun. Underestimate I, her. I do have She's, fun. She, it, we're, like, we're fun, and we're, we, we get it going. We were watching nerd stuff. We played Mortal Kombat. That's my idea. I you don't know, Katie, my friend Katie went out with the Midnight Boys. They did. They went they to got, a Halloween party. She said they party. had a fun time. They, the Midnight Boys are fun. Well, I know they're fun. Yeah. Katie went to high school with Charles. They went to yeah, the same high school. Yeah, she told me that. In me. Asbury Park or whatever. Also, I had to just give myself a break from like watching all the mess that's going on on the internet. There's yeah. so much mess. Everyone's embroiled in a lot of mess that's happening. You know? And, and so, that's what this podcast is going to reflect today. That's sadly. not true. Yeah, this podcast it gets is gonna into be, some mess. We're going to get maybe some mess, but this podcast has got to be a uplifting light to the world. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I like, I'm not going to against that. Uh, are you, no, you, it seems like you are. No, it's just a lot of shit is going on in the world, and sadly, we have to talk about Rachel, it. Rachel, are you a positive person? No. <laughs> not. You're not a positive person? Do you have a positive I wouldn't describe online? myself. I strive to be. Strive. But I would not describe myself as an optimist. You're a glass half empty kind of gal. And no, that glass see, I'm is not up glass, to tequila. Half full or empty. It's just like right in the middle. It's just a glass in the middle <laughs> where the water's in the middle. I'm a realist. Hold Why's on. it got to be Hold half empty or half full? It's just, it's just a glass of with water of in, this it, shit in the middle. <laughs> that has never fucking made sense that someone said. <laughs> I was is trying that, to find a realist with a glass of water. A glass of half empty or half full. I was trying in the to middle. figure it out. It's, like, it's just in the middle. Okay. I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> um, I fl- can I just also say, I flew in straight from Vegas to here. So forgive me. Hmm. Fresh off of Vegas flight. 
Yeah, it's a long, arduous fight. It's not Vegas. that it's a long flight. 45 minutes it's in the air. Three days of working. You're doing your thing. Hopped You're the flight. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I'm tired. All right, let's get into it. There's no big deal of the day. It's just a lot of deals. Okay, there's no big deal. Hmm. There's just a lot of deals that's going on. But we're going to start off, I think, in politics. Joe Biden and the niggas. Is that where we're starting? Why not? Other side of this break. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Black people don't like Joe Biden. You don't like Joe Biden. That's not what, I didn't never said that. I like him just fine. That's what, what okay. <laughs> Roll the tape, Donnie. Roll the tape of what? You've spent the last few episodes coming down on Biden. You don't like Biden. You just like, were like, if it comes down to it, I'll vote for him because I'm not going to vote for anybody else. But like, you don't like Biden. Just be honest. It's okay, man. You don't like Biden. First of all. You don't like him. It's not that I don't like him because it's not about liking or not liking a particular candidate. That's not what it's about. What is me. it about? It's about trying to have in context a realistic 360 degree view okay. view of what someone represents politically, who they are, and the job that they've done. And sometimes we let emotion get in the middle of that, and I'm trying not to with Joe Biden. What I'm saying is that if we look at this not just as what we're fearful of winning, if we look at, this, and it's hard to do, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, the yeah. choice is binary. If we look at this as, what does this guy really represent? Who is he? What is he doing? Then there are criticisms to be made. I agree with you. Sure. I don't think it's wrong to... You're supposed to criticize high, a politician. Yes, to have high expectations, to demand what a politician promised you, to expect those things in return. That's why you voted for them, to carry out those things. And if it's not being accomplished, yes, I think we should hold them to a high degree. I agree with that. All that being said, you don't like him. That's <laughs> weird. It's it's not that I don't like him. I'm unenthusiastic about Joe Biden. Yeah, we were in like, the last election as like well. Like is not a factor in it. Okay. Now, there are some people that uh, have some thoughts about why Joe Biden seems to be losing support amongst Afro-Americans. Afro. Afro-Americans. Remember that? That was a movement for a second. Um, one of them is Representative Jasmine Crockett from Texas, who recently went viral doing her thing on the Hill. She there. represents Oak Cliff, Texas. She represents Oak Cliff. Mm -hmm. She took over for Eddie Bernice Johnson, who had held that seat for, I want to say, 30-plus years. 
And um, yeah, Jasmine Crock is really doing her thing. She's, she's really, di- she's my district. Actually. She's your district. She's climbing up the ranks here. Mm-hmm. She's uh, very visible, very, very fiery, um, a very opinionated young congresswoman. I like her a lot. She was on CNN and she was talking about the fact that some black voters aren't supporting Joe Biden because feelings aren't dictating their reality. Let's see. Give it up to us, Donnie. Here's the deal. Perception is reality. And so when you look at the data that was provided in this poll, it talks about how people feel. And when people decide whether they're going to the poll or whether they're not going to to the poll, it's all about how you feel in that moment. And so while the facts may not align with their feelings, their feelings are dictating their reality. Their reality is that they said that they feel better or they felt better when Trump was in office. But we've been trying to push back. We've got some very popular African-American artists that are out here saying things like, oh, I got checks when Trump was in office. I want those checks again, not understanding that that really came from Congress. Mm. So we've got a couple of things, the perception issue. And then we also have an issue as it relates to civics in this country and people not understanding exactly how any of this works. Look at my congresswoman. You don't agree? I, I, I think everything that she says is correct. You don't? I like her. We should talk about some of the numbers. Some of the numbers. Uh, From the polling? Yeah. Okay. Particularly amongst black men, it's showing a massive eroding in Biden's support. We you talk have, about this every single time. No, you can pull them up. I don't have them. But I know that it, it, right now, one poll is that uh, support for Biden amongst black men is, is, is dwindling, it's eroding, with 20% of black men now saying that it's a possibility that they won't vote for Joe Biden. They don't like it. 20%, that's down. Like, you know, we it was already a situation where I think it was like 88% the last time. So he's, that's 8%. And when you start playing with those numbers and support amongst the black community, the margins for victory, particularly in states w- that were close last time, they get really precarious. Now, I'll say something else. With everything that's going on in the Middle East right now, there are going to be places like Michigan, which with large Arab American communities, large Muslim communities, that Joe Biden's going to have to do a lot of work in because a lot of people are really fucking pissed at the way that that's going, at the way the White House has discussed this and the way that they've, I mean, not really seemingly had as much support for the carnage that's going on in Gaza as they should have. And that's going to be something else that they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. But if we talk specifically about Black people and the support of Joe Biden, there does seem to be something brewing. And it's not just about Biden. It's about Black people's relationship with the Democratic Party in and of itself. Well, I think this is where I say I agree with what she's saying about the time that Trump was in office to the time Joe Biden has been in office, if you look at those years. And she says that a lot of Black people said they felt better when Trump was in office. Well, when you look at what was happening in our country and in the world from 2016 to 2020, it's totally different from 2021 when Biden came in and beyond. You had Black Lives Matter movement was still going on. There was this huge demand from the Black community and Joe Biden promised that he was going to act on some of those demands. Um, voting rights, uh, uh, police reform. Uh, also, you had he's coming in with COVID. So you had inflation. You've seen loss of jobs. 
Um, economically, people are affected in a completely different way than they were when Trump was in office. And now you have the war. So there's so many things that are, when she talks about perception versus reality, that people felt better back then than they do now. And the thing that I think naturally people do is, well, who's in office? Who They'd say, oh, well, he's making decisions. So all of this must be an effect of Biden. Because when Trump was there, I, I think that she's basically saying people are looking at it in, a ver- in very simple terms. And I agree with her. The people who are disheartened with the things that Biden is doing or saying they don't feel Biden or even saying it's not even just disheartened with Biden. It's Biden, uh, Trump over Biden. I felt better with Trump. They're looking at it in a very simple way and they're not looking at the picture as a whole. Do you know what I mean? I do. Uh, you look, if you look at it, this has been written about ad nauseum, mm-hmm. about the polls that signal that Biden is slipping with black and Hispanic voters as well, Hispanic voters as well. Look, this is what I'll say. I don't, I don't like what she said, obviously. I don't like it. Um, one reason that I don't like it is <laughs> there's an undercurrent there of they're not smart enough to understand like what's happening. We've talked about this. What? We talked about this with Sexy Red. I don't okay. think, I don't think she's insinuating they're not smart enough. People just don't, it's exactly what I said with the Sexy Red argument. We totally disagreed on that. Yeah. It's not that they're not smart enough. People just don't have the will to go out and seek that information. So for sexy, for sexy red to flat out say, well, you know, Trump's getting checks. And what she's saying is, well, that's not, Trump wasn't actually the one doing that. People aren't researching that. And it's not just black people. I'm, I'm not going to just say it's the black community. There are other communities as well. So I won't say that she's just simplified. Like, she's not saying they're not smart enough. So my question is this, and it's a very simple question. Are the Democrats going to take ownership or responsibility for anything? Are they going to take ownership or responsibility for their successes? Are they going to take ownership and responsibility for their failures? Or is it, so is, it, is it on everybody else to bail out the Democrats whenever it's time to have an election? There's no way. So what I'm saying is this. The Democrats can't get the things that black people ask them to do done. Not our fault. Not our fault. We can't get it. We can't give you the voting rights. Is is it their fault? uh, Just hold on. We can't give you the voting rights. We can't give you the justice and policing. Not our fault. Not our fault. It's not us. It's them. Okay. Now, the support erodes. It's not their fault for not messaging this stuff. It's your fault for not knowing it. So it's not the Democrats. Things are going well. You guys can't see it because you guys aren't educated enough. You're not smart enough. That right? is literally not what she said. Am I in the Twilight Zone? That's certainly what she said. She said there are certain things about civics, which is the function of the government and how it works that people don't understand. There are people that don't understand that. Okay, well, then let's give her credit for what she said. And what she said was there are certain people that don't get this. So it's not our messaging, right, is that you don't understand. It seems as if whenever there is time for accountability, it's not their fault. They're not messaging to people and running campaigns around what they've done correctly. It's not their fault when they can't get something done. The only thing that you can do as a as a as an American 
that will help the Democrats is just vote when they say vote. Hey, everything's going wrong. We've lost all of this. We don't have this. But hey, it, as long as you keep voting for us down the line, we can promise that we'll give you this. Down the line, we can promise that this is going to happen. You can't afford not to vote because the other side is so bad. That's not untrue. But at the same time, they don't take responsibility for any of the things that they don't do. Okay. And they don't take responsibility for any of the things that they do do. You've said on this very podcast that the Democrats are putting out messaging there. There have been episodes where you're like, they are putting stuff out there. No, no, no. I'm saying, no, no, that's not what I've said. I've said that they are doing stuff. Okay. So what what I've said is, what I've said is, and and I'm glad you said that, because when things have gone right, when the jobs report has come out, when these different things have, have, when the economy looks to be growing, when yeah. inflation is slowing, when all those things, we talk about those things here. Yeah. And I think that there are things that the administration has been able to do in order to make those things happen. And I'm not saying that they're doing a bad job. I'm saying they're not giving us what we wanted, but there are reasons for that too. What I'm saying here though, is that for me, for us, for the electorate at large, if you want people to know how well you're doing, your messaging is part of being a political machine and entity. So what what would that messaging, let me just, what would that messaging look like? Because we can agree that, because I don't agree with you that that's what she was saying and that everything is y'all's fault and not the Democrats' fault. Well, first how, off, how can you not agree with that? Wait, first off, it's not the Democrats' fault that we don't have the Voting Rights Act and we don't have um, uh, the George Floyd and Policing Act. It is Democrats' fault. Okay, so... They had the majority in Congress to be able to get the vote. There were Democrats who would not support it. There were Democrats like if who, all like, the Democrats uh, voted, it still wasn't going to pass. But what I'm telling you though is they weren't even able to get their caucus, the people that they have on board. And with if they getting had, some of this had stuff all done. of them, they still wouldn't have had the votes is my point. They still mm-hmm. wouldn't have had the votes if they had all of them. So you can't solely say the reason that we don't have those two things that the black community was absolutely expecting to get is because of the Democrats. You can't say that. They ran on it though. I know they ran on it, but they don't have <laughs> control, but they don't have control over Congress. So, uh, so what I'm saying is they don't have majority votes. So, so then, so then this is the way you set yourself up to lose. You're talking to, we're talking about the civics of this, right? We're talking about the civics of it. The way you set yourself up to lose is go is to go, hey, not to us who understand 60 and a filibuster and all of that stuff. Not, not to those people. The way you set yourself up to lose is to go, hey, vote for Warnock and Ossoff, right? Because we need the majority in the Senate so we can really push our agenda through. And then we and then we have the tie-breaking vote with um with Kamala Harris. Because we need to be able to get our agenda through. Mm-hmm. Then everybody goes out and they vote. Mm-hmm. Then you come back a couple of months later and you go, you know what? We need more than that. So what we said really wasn't the whole truth. If you want people to understand how things work, because American, the American people, like not the elite of us who get a chance to sit around and 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 volley these issues back and forth, like they just listen to what you tell them. The Republican messaging is much simpler, and they're they're talking to a homogenous electorate to a large degree. The Democrats have to figure their messaging out. And blaming the people that you're expecting to save your ass every time they go to the poll is just not a good way to go about it. I'm sorry. I feel like 
you probably think that I give politicians too much credit. And I think that you're not allowing people to take responsibility as well. I don't think that you are. I really don't think so. I mean, what she's saying is true. When you do have prominent people with a platform who are saying reckless things that aren't true, then how are you not blaming those people? Oh, it's so it's so it's Democrats fault that Sexy Red doesn't know that Congress issues checks. Okay, so this is what I would say. (laughs) It's not it's not the Democrats fault that Sexy Red is is thinks that Trump wrote her a personal check for fourteen hundred dollars. And that's why she's going to vote. It's not it's not that. It is Democrats' fault to educate their electorate not only on what they're going to do, but what they've done and why they couldn't do the things that that they do. And I'll say this. A lot of this stuff has to do with the fact that they play too nice. You have the president right now, nice man, the president, but he'll go through great lengths to tell you that he's like super close with Mitch McConnell and they've they're, they're pals. We disagree, but it's cool. It's all of that stuff. I get it. To me, and I've always said this, if you can't get it done, and this is what Bakari and a lot of the other people were trying to do. Shout out to Bakari. He, Bakari had a press conference. He goes up there and he says, Joe Manchin, Christian Cinema, these people are standing in our way. Like, if you're the president, use your bully bu- pulpit to pressure and influence people to get on board with what it is that's going on. And if not, let people know exactly why things aren't going the way you would want them to go. I'm not against that. So the question is, why don't they do it? I'm not against, I, I'm not even against that, what you're saying. But for you to say that what she's saying is wrong because it's the Democrats' fault that people don't know, I think you, what, you, what you're not taking into account is people also have to be receptive and want to know those things. Some people don't. It's just as simple as them as like, Am I make, getting money? Am I losing money? Do I have a job or gas prices up? Like some people don't want to know the details of that. It's as simple as like, because this is why I say she's not calling people dumb, but like, have you ever seen the people that do the man on the street? Yeah. And they ask questions like, sure. who's the vice president? Yeah. Who's the secretary of state? Right. Who? People will be like Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. Abe Lincoln. Yeah. Like we'll just name random stuff. People, there's also not a curiosity or desire for people to know or understand those things. They don't care to. So, and so I think it's it's you saying there is no, that's why I said, well, what do you want the Democrats to do? I'm not letting them off scot-free. Right. But, but what I'm saying is, is it scot-free or scotch-free? Scotch-free. It's scot-free. Oh, I was right the first time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded wrong coming out of my mouth. I'm not letting the Democrats off scot-free, but what I'm saying is you act like if they had this perfect messaging and they filtered it in a way to people who would be willing to vote Democrat, then they then then they would receive it. I just don't think that that's the truth. I think that political entities are responsible for a couple of things. Number one, they're they're responsible for motivating their electorate to get out and vote. Correct. They are. They're responsible for educating their electorate on why they should vote. Correct. They're responsible to delivering what they said that they were going to do to their electorate. And so those three things are things that the Democrats are responsible for. And we can sit here and talk about how stupid Americans are all we want because we already did that. 
We already did that. We already talked about how uninformed and rubish and hickish that Americans are. And what happened was we separated between coastal elites and the people in the middle of the country who felt like they had been uh, abandoned by political establishments. So we talked over their heads. Mm-hmm. Then the guy came in and told them lie after lie after lie after lie, and they elevated him to God status. Because it made them feel a certain way. What I'm telling which is you, what she said. What I'm telling you is that the Democrats need a messenger. They need a messenger of what's wrong in America, what's right in America, and how they can fix it. And blaming the people that you need to empower you is just a poor, is a poor way to I do it. I just don't think that that's what she did, but we'll okay. agree to disagree. We'll agree to disagree. I like her. I like her. You got to make people take responsibility as well. And I feel like you're not accounting. You're not requiring people to take any responsibility. You're not. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold I on. I just don't. Listen, just real quick. They're the leaders. Okay. Like, they're the people that need you to vote so for Democrats them. So Democrats haven't put out any type of messaging. I'm, I'm telling you that their messaging isn't working. And I'm saying that there's got to be somebody in the party somewhere. Look, when when Barack Obama was standing up there, motherfuckers knew where they stood. Like, and a lot and, of people way, only was, voted for him. This is what she meant by feeling and perception being reality. A lot of people only voted for Barack Obama because he was black. i tell you something right Even now. Even white people, because they wanted to say that they voted for nah. the first black. No, a lot of people voted for Barack Obama because he was black. I'm sure they did, but like... A lot of people. It's not because they had this voted. genius messaging. It was because... You're wrong, man. I'm sorry. Like, a lot it, of people voted for it, him even, he was black. Even, even when you listen to President Obama, as he talked about the Middle East in the last couple of days, it's just night and fucking day. It's night and day Can compared I, to. And I'm not comparing him. Do to Do you think Obama. he would be the? He would talk, and, and I'm not. I'm not. You're right. He's what he's been saying has been great. Do you think that he would have that same energy if he was the president of the I, United but, States? I, it's I'm, easier to say to speak in a different way when you don't hold the office. I, like what, I, what I'm saying is, I'm not. You know, I have my problems with Barack Obama as well. It, it is what it is. Uh, but what I will say is that in politics, which is a game of public perception. Right. It's a game of public perception, politics. It's leveraging things to get people to vote for you. It's just not a winning strategy to turn around and tell those people we're doing everything you're asking us to. You're just not smart enough to see it. And even if that's true, you shouldn't say that. Even if it's accurate. I'm not saying, I don't believe she said that. That's why I'm not saying that everybody's dumb and she's right. I'm saying, I don't believe that that's what she was saying. You say, you're saying that. I'm not going to sit here and say that the reason that the Democrats aren't getting their messaging through or Biden is, a poll came out today that Biden is losing in a lot of key states. I'm not saying it's because people are dumb. You believe she said that. I'm not saying that. Well, I think that people are looking at Joe Biden and they're going, I don't know, man. They are, of course. Yeah. We are. But when you're faced with the other option, as you said on the last podcast, it's like, well, I'm not going to vote for the other side. And there's not a better option at the moment. A couple other things going on in politics. New House Speaker Mike Johnson, this guy is getting off to a fucking gangbuster start. He's had every fucking bad idea that you could have. Mike Johnson has the worst ideas of anyone ever. Just everything that they bring 
they bring up on him. He's like, hey, Mike, um, in 2004, do you remember advocating for chastity belts for Jesus where you sat in the state house and said that you thought every woman over 35 who was unmarried should have to wear a chastity belt that only opened when you said specific Bible verses. <laughs> I don't, I mean, you know, who can remember a vote from that long ago? Seems like something that God is in favor of when you talk about closing your legs to Satan, Satan's penetration, but I don't know if I supported that. Like every fucking thing, this guy's got some of the craziest things, man. This dude is, he had a porn pact with his son. Yeah, I knew you would be excited about this story. Him and his son shared a subscription-based accountability program called Covenant Eyes, and it targets porn. The first page of the site asks, are you struggling to quit watching porn? And then it warns, you're not alone. Uh, And his son was his accountability partner as they tried to like not watch porn. That's weird. Is that's not weird to you? Like that's 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 not that's a little weird, right? It's very weird, Van. <laughs> like I, I mean, I never heard anything like this before. Yeah. It's extremely weird. What else you want me to say about it? I don't know. I knew you were going to want to do this story. It's This guy is weird. I don't trust. Th- this guy is super weird, man. We're talking about conversion therapy. We're talking about anti-LGBTQ plus A. We're talking about anti-porn, anti-fun, anti- <laughs> This guy is weird. He's a, this is a weirdo that they put there. It's like a real Which, problematic guy. Yeah, this just adds to the list of things we complain about when he was or mentioned. But this is when a bridge too named, far for me. It was all too far. He's outrageous. This is a Mike this Johnson is, is outrageous. Mike Johnson. But let me ask you this. Sure. Is it official that they are watching porn? Like, here, this is what I didn't understand about the accountability program. Is this a program like just in case you have a desire to watch porn? Or does this already mean I'm an addict and I need somebody to stop me? Or is this a preventative measure? Couldn't determine between the two. I mean, what difference does it make? It doesn't. I'm just curious. We're talking about it, so I'm talking about it. Is he is he an addict? What happens is when you fail? What happens when you fail? Do you tell I, your dad like I, I was on Brazzers this morning? Well, no, the dad would see. They oh, that's right, him. he would see. Yeah, they call him out. So you're tempted to not because somebody, your partner's gonna see it. Mm-hmm. Or you could just have accountability to where y'all just both do it and you're just like, we just keep the secret between the two of us. Yeah. They're watching this stuff together. They're sharing accounts. It doesn't mean they're watching stuff. it together. It just means I mean, they're watching it together as in they're watching the same stuff. You know, people don't like the porn talk on the show. Well, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of it either, Van. Why is everyone so uptight? It's not uptight. It's just like not necessary. It's not relevant. Why? The conversation I will say was interesting with Alexis Texas because, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about a bigger issue with the industry. Bigger but issue. like it's this, right. it's like, where are we going to go with this topic? All right. It's weird. This shit is weird. I've never heard think, anything like this. The things that extreme weirdo? Christians come up with, like like you said, conversion therapy, shit like this, like it's wild. Right, I'm telling you. Like the stuff that they come up with, to, it's it's just... It's rich too far. It's, it's cultish. It's cultish. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got 
a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Remember our friend D1? Yeah, I know your friend D1. Our friend D1. Mm -hmm. Friend of the show? Friend of the show. Yeah, they loved him. Uh, he's in a back and forth with Meek Mill and Rick Ross over hip-hop. So D1 has called out the hip-hop community over some of the putrid messages in the music. Specific people. Specific he named people. them. He named D1. This is the thing about D1. D1 names names. He doesn't just say, I'm sick of all of these messages in hip-hop. D1 says, hey, in the third verse of Fuck These Hoes, Rick Ross said this about black women or about this, and I don't fuck with that. He, he, he doesn't curse, but he names names when he's calling people out. People don't like this. Um, he called them out on Sway's Universe Donnie, go ahead and run that. Jim Jones, you could do better, brother. I love you too much. I love you too much to not be honest with you. Rick Ross, you could do better, brother. Meek Mill, you could do better, brother. I love you too much not to be honest with you. Are you the face of prison reform? Because I held, uh, are you the face of prison reform? Or are you sitting here on your new song with Ross talking about getting somebody murked and shot at the red light? Which one is it, bro? Which one is it, bro? Because I did a shoe giveaway in my city and gave out 1,300 pairs of your shoes because they said reform underneath them. And I love that you partnered with, with a major shoe company and, and you out here pushing prison reform. But now I got to sit here like, man, this man glorifying getting people killed as of a week ago. Like, what are you doing, bro? Lil Snoop really got killed. That broke your heart. You wear him around your neck. What? Why are you glorifying the same thing when my best friend got killed? When Carl got killed, New Orleans know who I'm talking about. When Carl got killed... And I had to go to his funeral and read the eulogy and be part of the funeral. And I got back in my causeway after the funeral and I turned on my music and I realized I'm listening to music that's glorifying the same stuff that just happened to my best friend. Mm. Mm. It gave me chills and I needed that moment. That was my come to Jesus moment of like, D, you got to do something different, brother, because because you have a taste for this poison 
but you you're attracted to the poison and rap is great the rap game hip hop industry is great at cooking up some delicious poison okay now Meek Mill and Rick Ross they responded Meek Mill responded on Instagram he said now nah, we do everything I was rapping this way when I became the face of reform that's how I got there y'all forgot that fast do we have the audio from Rick Ross's response Donnie Meek Mill, you could do better. Jim Jones, you could do better. Rick Raw, you could do better. I got to see you do better. Is that wait, wait. Little man, whoever you is, until you feed the kids where you from for 20 years straight, don't question Rose. Wait, wait until you buy 10,000 bikes, 10,000 trikes. Give all the young trikes. girls who pregnant pampers, pampers for Christmas for 20 years straight. Don't question boss. You heard me, little man? Get that basket off your head so you could think clear, little man. You going viral for speaking on niggas' names, not because of your talent, not because of your gift. Go viral, player, off of your, your, your wisdom that you're sharing. You speaking on this. Yeah, Meek me, Mill. You just, boy, you know how many niggas died this summer? They released self-destruction. It's niggas dying right now. It's going to be niggas don't make it to see in the morning. Get that basket off your head, boy, and come together with real niggas around the world. Okay. Then, you know, D responded to all of this. This raises an interesting question, and I wonder what you think, Rachel. Who's right? Who's right here? Who is correct? Do we need to be more direct in calling out some of the pernicious elements in hip-hop music by calling out artists directly and, like, trying to hold them to a standard to, to have better messages in the music? Or is this the wrong way to go about it? I think that I agree a little bit more with D1 on this because I feel like, and I and I don't know uh, Rick Ross or Jim Jones. Um, like, I don't know if they're involved with prison reform as well. I just know Meek Mill has done a lot and as he even said, been the face of it. So I don't understand. I, I, I mean, I guess I understand D1 more because it's like, how are you going to rap about these things, about killing people, but then on the other side, talk about prison reform and the act that you're rapping about sends people to prison. It just doesn't make sense. And for Meek Mill's response to be, well, I've been rapping this way. This is what I was doing before I was the face of prison reform. I mean, reform means to be better, to improve, to change. So, you can't change the way that you rap now that you are the face of this whole movement with prison reform. So I agree with D1 on that. I can't, is Rick Ross involved with it as well? Rick Ross is not involved in prison reform. Um, but I, to his point, he's, he's very, very philanthropic. So it's, it's like, And then I, it's just, it's like, okay, if you're upset with what D1 said, I don't think D1 was calling you out. Like He's just like, hey, I'm holding you to a certain standard. Be better. Then Rick Ross goes and makes fun of his accent, which I love a New Orleans accent. He talks about, you know, like his attire, his style, and then diminishes D1 in what he means to a community because he's done a lot for the community Absolutely. as well. So the fact that he's talking about him in such a disrespectful way when D, as if D1 hasn't done, I don't even know everything he's done and I know he's done a lot. So it's just, I don't think D1 was ill, had ill intention. He's just like, hey, I'm asking y'all to be better. You're doing something that's amazing. So your artist, your art should reflect that as well. Yeah. 
So look, this is what I would say. Um, however you do something, it should always reflect the reaction that you want. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you think about the response that you want from someone, you should think about the way you're going about it. All right. Mm-hmm. So D1, I think here, is done with any sort of equivocation. He wants to set a standard about hip-hop, uh, about the music, about the messages. Yeah. And he's not going to bend, break, or fold on that standard. He wants to redefine culturally what good and bad is. And that seems pretty standard, but it's not. It's complicated, and it's been complicated. It's been complicated to try to discern what's positive or negative, and I'll tell you why. When you're dealing with a people, hip-hop is such a conduit to money and fame and success for young Black people that we've had to make a lot of, I'd say, not, but by the way, not all hip hop. I'm talking about like the specifically either hypersexual, uh, demeaning women, misogynistic, um, and violent part of hip hop. We've had to make some, some value calls there. We've had to make some value adjustments there. We've had to make some, some sacrifices there. Mm-hmm. And those sacrifices are, will we rather these guys rap about it or will we rather these guys do, do it, right? And when people come from a deprived situation, their version of success sometimes changes. There's a lyric in in um, the I'm So Hood remix where Buster says, I'm so hood where I come from it, if a nigga sell drugs, the mama's still proud of a son, right? When there's no success, success becomes the bar. It becomes the goal by any means. Yeah. So the drug dealer, oh, at least he ain't broke. He not fucked up like the rest of us. The pimp, I want to be him. All I see is somebody who's not going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Gradations of that come down to people who are not necessarily doing that, but rapping about that. And rapping about that way after is their actual life. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think what's changing now to me mm-hmm. is this. There was a time where, you know, rappers would rap about things and it would take them further, get them out of the hood, get their people out of the hood, get everyone out of the hood, and that was fine and that was cool. But, uh, you know, things would change. You'd see these guys on Oprah, well, not necessarily Oprah, or Good Morning America, or wherever. And things would change. Like they would grow, they would move past it. They wouldn't be fucking around in the same way that they were fucking around after mm-hmm. a certain point. Maybe a little bit earlier in their careers, but they, they would grow out of that. At a certain point, you see Ti on a reality show. Mm-hmm. You see the rest of these guys like it's over, right? We're not doing that stuff anymore. What's happened now is that there's a tethering to a lifestyle that sure. exists in a more direct way for a longer amount of time because so much stuff on the internet is bringing reality directly to you and they're actual real killers rapping on songs now. 
And so it's harder for a lot of these guys to move not away from the streets themselves, but away from a street ethic. And we're seeing guys in their late 30s, in their early 40s, in their mid 40s, still on the internet running around talking street shit. Mm -hmm. And it is getting a little ridiculous. So you agree with D1? I agree with his message. I guess the question is, if you want Rick Ross and Meek Mill to do better, is this the way to get them to do better? I don't think I, I don't think they would they're gonna do what they want to do, period. I agree. Um so sorry. I agree. This is directly confrontational. Yeah, it is. And and so if it's directly confrontational, are you going to get from them some understanding of what it is that they're doing? Mm-hmm. Or are you gonna get from them a confrontation that everybody can see getting to that further solidifies your stance? The only thing I would ask D1 who is an amazing person, but who is human. Mm-hmm. He's a human being. Is, is this for us or is this for him? I don't know him as well as you do. He's a great guy. I would think that this was for us. Right. To be honest, from the few times we've had him on the podcast, from the research that I've done on him, I would think that this was, he, it's bigger than him. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like, a Meek Mill or a Rick Ross or Jim Jones, who, to my knowledge, hasn't responded. I don't. I don't think that D one could ever get his message through to them. I think the only way they would actually hear what he's trying to say or what standard he's trying to set is if it came from someone that they respected on their level. And it's clear from what Rick Ross said, he has absolutely no respect for D one. Well, he's never. They're, they're never gonna. And they're never what going they to. But if like, I don't know, like if, if this, if Jay Z had said this behind closed doors. I don't know if it, if the confrontational way would have worked, but if Jay-Z said this to them, I think it would be a totally different response. I don't think it would be. It, I think if they, he did it on like Sway's show, right? yeah, it would be the same response because they would feel like they have to meet that, that energy that he brought in such a public way. I think mm-hmm. if he did it behind closed doors, I think it would be different. Um, You know, when you listen to it, when you listen to it, to me, there's not a lot of, re- if, if he were talking to me, I would take stock. I definitely would. But you just always have to know like who it is that you're talking to. Sure. Um, and all of us, with all of our platforms and everything that we're doing and everything that we have going on, we just have to remember like what the actual goal is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I don't think that he meant like any harm. I don't either. I think he's doing, I think he's sick of it. You know what? I've thought about it. There's no good way to do it. There's mm. no right way to do it. Yeah. You, you just have to you talk. You just you just do it. If you want to set a different standard, you can't do it in a nice way where everyone's going to feel you have to call out like what's fucked up. And even look what I just did a second ago and leave all of that in. Even what I just did in a, a second ago is there's this there's still this thing in me to where it just seems difficult to talk in a certain way about guys that come from where I come from. It's it's hard. It's like, it's hard to say that's wrong. It's difficult to be like, hey, that's not right. I can see that. I've been in a not right stage. Hey, Mr. TMZ guys, all of that stuff like that. It's it's hard to be, 
obviously what he's doing, he's doing it for, I mean, he works with children. Like he, he's, a, he's a middle school teacher. He's done all of this stuff. It's sometimes just hard to be like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Because you don't want to take away from somebody else's success because you know how hard that success is. So even me right now, when he's doing this, I even feel convicted. I'm like, God damn, I wish there was a different way rather than just talk directly at these brothers. But there's no way to get to where you're trying to go by talking around it. And let's also know it takes a lot of courage to do what D1 did because a lot of people don't want to upset people with power and money. I just didn't want to do it. I know, I could tell. Um, but I but I also understand exactly what you're saying. They're familiar to you. You relate to them in certain ways by coming from the same type of place. So like, I get that. You when 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 you're close to something... Not that you want to excuse it, but you understand no, it in a different way. No, 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 no. Way. You want to excuse it. All no, right. no. It's not. It, no, you want to okay. excuse it. Like, we come from different places. Like, when you were growing up, these were the people that your dad was putting in jail. When I was growing up, these were... Not really. <laughs> these were the people that I lived amongst. And even when somebody, like, gets out of jail and when somebody's doing something, you don't... You love them. Like, you love them. You don't want to tell them yeah. That type of situation. So it's even hard for me sometimes to be like, I can, I'll criticize the music, but I won't say, hey, that song is bad. Yeah. Or, hey, that message is bad. Or, hey, you can't do both this and do that. But we got to start doing that. It's time for me to be the old nigga. And I think what makes it a little easier to do in this situation is the response from Rick Ross and Meek Mill. Like, they don't care. Meek actually really cares about prison reform. It's something I, very no, I'm close. not saying they don't care about Meek, that, the good they do. I'm saying he's so dismissive of D1 calling out the hypocrisy in the art versus what you're doing for the community. You're encur- encouraging a certain lifestyle that leads to the exact thing that you're trying to change. Yeah. There's hypocrisy in that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you Meek, can't do that. And Meek Mill's response was like, I was doing this before. So, like, it's so flippant. His response, but his response is like, and this is a, another thing. His response is, I wouldn't be able to even have a voice on this if I wasn't rapping this way, and that's the fucked up double edged sword of all of this. Is like they're more willing to listen to Meek Mill on that because of who Meek is than they would be on D, who lives his life in this really disciplined and godly way. Because they got to care about what you're doing. It sometimes seems like the only way to make them care is to to do it in a certain way. It's a tough one. It is tough. It's a tough one. But everybody just think about the grander picture. Even myself. Like, I was like, oh, is it about D1? No, it's definitely not about D1. He's been on this for forever. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Do you like sassy men? I didn't understand this. You don't like it? <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like it. I'm trying to understand the movement. You know, you know, the sassy men movement? I was not really aware of it. It's a, it's a trend on TikTok, correct? Yeah, there's a guy. His name is uh, Pray444. Mm-hmm. And um, he's apparently sassy on TikTok. Okay. And um, look, he's the face of sassy men, and it's been used to describe expressive men with bigger attitudes. Some have deemed feminine, okay? Initially, sassy was a derogatory term used in a homophobic manner. That's what Donnie has here in the notes. Uh, but now it's something that's like, cool, this guy, everyone, the, the black ladies uh, love this guy. His, his, his name is Prayag Mishra. He's blown up in the past month. Have you seen any of his TikToks? Yeah, I don't get it. You don't get the- <laughs> I was like, I about clicked on the TikTok. Give me, give me another one, Donnie. Give me, give me the second one that's in there. I really don't know how to feel about this whole sassy thing, and I wanted to talk about it. Um, first thing I want to say is guilty, guilty, guilty. I've been that. Sassy, I've been that. You don't choose to be sassy. That's just your personality. Like, <laughs> if it was up to me, I would have chosen to be nonchalant and sexy. God wanted me to be loud and sassy. What can I say? What can I say? What can I say? Four for four pray. He's the leader of Pookie Nation, um, where he's the sassy man. His women are his pookies. And so, uh, you know, they like him. And there was, a, there was a gentleman on Twitter who took aim at some of the black ladies that are a member of Pookie Nation, saying that there's a double standard with sassy. Mm-hmm. All right, Donnie running. I really don't know how to feel about this whole sassy thing, and I wanted to talk about it. I shouldn't say what I'm about to say. I should not say what I'm about to say for many reasons. One, I shouldn't say what I'm about to say because it'll make me sound like a pick me, which maybe I am. I'm not perfect. I also shouldn't say what I'm about to say because it'll make me sound jealous. And the reality is this is a, you know, it's a free country. Like people can say what they want. People can be attracted to who they want. Like it's fine. I also shouldn't say what I want to say because when people like something or somebody they will go to the lengths of gaslighting people who they know are speaking facts, but it threatens who they like or what they like. So while being aware of all those things, I'm still gonna say what's been irking me lately. There's a lot of black women up under this man's comments and on Twitter. A lot of black women foaming at the mouth and drooling at the mouth at his good looks and his sassiness. He's getting a lot of praise a lot of praise. I'm not speaking to all black women. I don't want to generalize because I know that's not cool. But a lot of y'all only think that he is so attractive in his sassiness because he's not black and because he's light-skinned. A lot of y'all, dare I say most of y'all, would not accept his behavior on a brown-skinned or dark-skinned black man. It would go from he's so sassy, but I'm attracted to him, to he's so sassy. And what you really mean is he's gay or comes across gay. 
And you might as well call that man the F word because y'all mean it as a slur when you say it to black men. And then it's funny because I see some videos popping up of black men stitching his video and like showing the comments and being like, well, damn, like, is this, are we allowed to be like this way now? Like, are we allowed to like be full humans and everything like that? And I'm like, no, 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 baby, not you. You're too dark. You're black. They don't want you to act like that. It's only okay for him to act like that. It's just something I noticed. What do you think? So the guy who created the movement is not queer. I'm not sure. Well, I need to know because that determines. I'm assuming he's not. Or is, Donnie, I don't know. I don't. I don't like this story. Why? <laughs> because I don't know. I I need to know if he's queer or not because that depends. That goes towards what this guy's response is. I'm not sure whether he's queer or not. Why? What, let me ask you this: Why does it make a difference? Well, he's saying that these women are attracted to this. If he's saying this guy is straight, mm-hmm. and these women, these black women in particular, are under this non-black man's post and uplifting him and telling him how attractive he is in his sassiness and that they would want to be with him and are permitting that of him because he's saying that black men that are straight, I'm trying to understand, can't aren't allowed to do that because black women would call them gay for being sassy. So the sassy's okay if you look one way, right. but it's not okay if you look another as a straight man. Is that what he's saying, Donnie? As a man, period. As a man, period, or a straight man? Well you wouldn't know whether or not the guy was straight or not because what he's what this guy specifically saying is that the even appearance of being gay if you were dark-skinned and black or the even appearance of being sassy or effeminate if you were dark-skinned and black would be so revolting to, black to, la- women. to large yeah. numbers of black women that it wouldn't even get to where it was got. If so it wouldn't matter sh- if you, it wouldn't matter if you were that or not. But see, I don't, I don't think, but if you're gay and black, black women know that you're a gay man and they call, and then sassy, it's not, it's not a thing. But what, what I'm saying is. I think is, he's straight. I know. But if he, straight or gay is beyond the point here. The, beyond the point is, how would they feel about a black man presenting this way? A straight black man presenting to be effeminate. To be, Donnie, Fine. please help. Because I think that's. If the black man's gay, I don't think this would even be a discussion. If the black man's gay, what he said, okay, so it's ambiguous whether or not the black the, the 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 guy is gay or straight, right? It's ambiguous. You don't. And know. he's allowed to be effeminate. He's a, and he's allowed to be effeminate. So whether or not whether or not you knew if you knew that he was gay, then you probably wouldn't be lusting over him. Maybe you wouldn't be lusting over him in the first place. Right. That's would. why I think he's straight. Okay. So, but here's the thing, though. But the very appearance of him being gay, according to this gentleman, is enough to where they wouldn't be lusting over him at all. And that is the problem that he's having. I need to know if he's straight or gay to be able to make this argument. Because my thought is, this guy is taking over this word sassy because it can be used in a negative... he He wasn't taking over the word sassy. They said that he's sassy and he... Embraced it. Embraced it. So... He didn't come on there like, here, here's Sassy Empire. I'm the sassy man. They told they, him he's They sassy. told him he was sassy and they liked it. What he's essentially saying is that they wouldn't have liked it, liked it, if he was a dark-skinned black man. Whether or not this guy is gay, whether or not this guy is straight, the fact that he's sassy would not be celebrated if he okay, was I not. Okay, I disagree. If 
he, if the black men are gay, I don't think. They're, now, understand now, they're. Obviously I, think black, I think black women have more of an issue with this guy saying, if you're a straight black man and you're effeminate, then like you can't be sassy. Dark skinned black men, that's what he's saying. Yeah. If you're a dark skinned gay man, black women don't have a problem with it. Do you understand why that is not really figuring in here though? No, I guess I'm 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 sorry. I am not Well what what I'm saying, the reason why it's not figuring in here though is because the entry to this is important. If in fact the guy comes off as even even if if in fact the guy comes off as gay, right? If the guy comes off as gay, if he if he comes off as gay and you don't know that he's gay. Right. Um would you still be attracted to him if he's black? Yes, I understand what he's saying. Black, d- dark-skinned black men are not allowed to be, even be effeminate, straight. But like, it's not even about effeminate, right? It's like so many other things. There's actually on Twitter, like this list of things that black men can't do. That like when when a black man does something, like a, 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 like a girl will come out or somebody will come out and be like, can you believe that I, like a nigga, I would never a nigga doing that. And it's like, the list is so funny because then this will be... The but is the list the same if you're gay or straight? It's Rachel. not. Donnie, Donnie. But, but Rachel, what, what, like, I, I, I'm. You guys, it's not fucking complicated at all. Like, it, the list, the, the list. It is, right? The, 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 the list is obviously, so these, this is, this is, if you're gay and you are, and they, and you are, and they, you're out and it's known that you're gay. What we're talking about is off the table because that attraction will be approached in a different way. The question is not whether or not if you're gay or not. The question is if you're perceived as gay, if there's a perceived, because this goes from being sassy all the way to like crying to any other thing that you can show, right? Is is that type of stuff? And that's what I'm saying. If a, if from, you're right, there's a list. If you're crying and you're, straight, men are held to a different standard. If you're crying and you're gay... But what if you don't know, though? Okay. If you don't know... If you don't know, then shouldn't it... The question is, if you don't know, if somebody bursts into tears and you don't know whether or not they're gay or they're straight... You're right. So the, the question is, who can cry? The question is, who can be sassy? The question is, if it's... Cause, because in that case, then really there shouldn't be any delineation between... There shouldn't be. Right. But there is. But, 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 but that's the point. The point is, this guy, these women are lusting after this man, right? Because I don't think he's gay. I, Donnie, am I crazy? I don't like this either. This is, uh, I, I don't know. This is so complicated. You, um, you, guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. It feels guys. complicated to me. If the guy is not gay and he's coming across as effeminate, the criticism is that that value judgment only matters if you are light-skinned and good-looking. The actual... Wait wait a minute. the, the, The actual sexual orientation of this person is not as important as to as to this guy, as the reaction to how he's presenting, the reaction to how he's presenting is 
if you come across, if you're wearing a man purse and or what if you're metrosexual, whatever, whatever it is, and you're a dark-skinned black man and women are like, ooh, I don't like that. And you're this guy and they're like, oh my God, that's sassy. That's so cool. The guy's saying that there is latent homophobia in there that has to do probably with the hyper-masculinity that is both criticized by black men, but also then reinforced by their mates about how they have to act. And he's calling that out. And the, and the whether or not the dude is actually gay or straight doesn't reinforce or, dispo- or depower that. If anything, saying that you have to be gay to act a certain way is actually making this guy's point. No, this guy also, ta- this guy talks about light skin versus dark skin. So he's basically saying he does. So he's also saying if you're light skin and you're feminine, it's okay. If you're dark skin and feminine, it's not. He's saying both things. I don't agree with that. If that's how we're going to look at it, I don't think that that's true with black how black women view men. I don't think light skinned people get a pass to be effeminate and bl- and dark skinned people don't. I think in general, black women look it's men, not light or dark. Okay. So I actually don't agree with what if that's how we're going to look at this, I don't agree with that. Well, he said two things. He said it is a double st- like it is a wrong standard and you, and it goes back to what you're saying about the long list of you can't do this, you can do this, you can't do this. I think that is a standard that they have for black men, period. It doesn't matter if you're light or dark. So I'm I, not saying that's right either, by the way. Well, what I think he said two things. I said one, I think he said good looking, and then two, he said light skin. I don't and I don't agree with that. Black I, I think black women do have a standard that they expect black men to act. And I don't care if you're good looking, light skin, dark skin. There's an unfair standard that I do believe that they expect men to have. That men are supposed to, black men are supposed to be and act a certain way. And I think it's a problematic standard, but I do not think. So you that, think if this was a dark skinned black man yeah. who was acting this way and they weren't sure whether he was gay or straight, um, but he was acting sassy, that they would still be into him? I don't think they would be. Okay, but it doesn't have to do with dark skin or light skin. I think it is black men. Right. Okay, so let's just stay there. Yeah, let's just stay in there. Let, let's just let's just stay there cuz I don't understand why it took us so long to get there. But let, let, let Because there's just there's sorry. I there's just different layers to it. Okay, what are the different layers? But I layers? just no, I don't really want to go back. We we like Donnie gets we think it's more complicated. You don't. I don't. I don't want to go back. No, so let's but, just but, say but you here. know what though? I, do, do, do you know why? I, I think, think it's important to know his sexuality to make to to determine this guy's argument. But that's just me. I, I really don't. Okay, the, well, we have to agree to disagree. We don't have to go because, back into it because I do sometimes think though that the the like backflipping that we're doing here is to not like identify the fact that there is some entrenched homophobia. And I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying it's because of black women expect a black man to be something, not a light skinned man versus a dark skinned man a or a good looking man. man versus an unattractive man. I just think there is a problematic standard. You've seen it on social media, like a black man better do this, this and this. My black man better have this, this and this. And there's no space for him to be sensitive right. or to him to dress a certain way or carry a certain bag that automatically groups them into being in the queer community, which is extremely problematic and dangerous. Right. I think that's something that we, we have seen. The, we don't think there's any colorism involved. I in. don't. I personally don't. Right. I haven't seen that. Right. I think that there's there probably is. Like, I think that there probably is. I so think, we'll use Drake. OK, what about Drake? So if um, uh, Drake wears barrettes, 
And he wears, and he paints his nails. And he paints his nails. Men have way more problems with that than women did. Okay, so do you think if Drake was, let's find a, a dark skin. Meek Mill? If Meek Mill, if well, Meek Drake Mill Meek did. Mill is, Meek Mill's a little bit more street than Drake, but go ahead. Okay, so if Lance Gross. They're not fucking with it. If Lance like Gross him. had long hair. No, he's an attractive, darker skinned man. If, yeah. if Lance Gross had long hair and put barrettes in it mm-hmm. or Tyson Beckford. Mm-hmm. You think people would have a problem with it? I think they would have a problem I with don't. it. I don't. I don't. I think, well, this is what I'll say. Because some of those I got guys, a problem with Drake. I just because I think it's just not cool. Like so, <laughs> some of those guys, that. like for example. It's not homophobic. For, for, for example, Lil Yachty is where Drake got it from. He wears barrettes. He does. I don't think that women are attracted to Lil Yachty like that. So when you, when you, when you, when you say Lance Gross or Tyson Beckford or somebody like that, Drake, for whatever reason, I mean, women, well, not for whatever reason, Drake is a handsome guy to women. Women like Drake. It seems as if that wasn't a big deal. But I do think... I don't think anybody cares that Lil Yachty versus hair like that. I know because he's not a sex symbol. But I but I think if like Kofi or Damson or any of those guys that like women really get into, darker skinned guys were to do that, I think the reaction would be different. I would just politely ask you to um, take the breaths out. Whether you were Drake, whether well, I, you were Kofi, because I don't like it, period. You don't like it. Okay. Well, that was a tough one right there. That was a but tough Donnie, one. But Donnie, you understand what I was saying? Yeah, it is layered. It's not so black and white. I mean, I think people are complicated. And this is an example of how, like, each individual has their own, they're bringing their own stuff to the table. And that, like, is exponentiated, however you would say that. That's like, it's even more complicated because we're like bringing in these different things like sexual orientation and just presenting your way, like the way that you present to other people. And then it's people's preferences. Like there's just so many different layers to it that it, I'm, I guarantee listening back to this, I'm going to be like, yeah, this was a complicated conversation that we tried to bring home. I also need to know the TikToker's response. I need to know what his, because I think, I needed to know what his sexuality was as well. Because I think there's just, the opinion is coming from a different place. I've watched it just now. You watched the TikToker that made the video? Yeah, well, I listened to it and I had it on silent so I could see him. Right. I'm not going to assume anybody's sexuality, but I think it's important to have the conversation of, because you're saying the women are straight. They're in your comments. Straight women are coming after what guy? Your response is what? As a straight man or as someone in the queer community? I don't know. I think you need to know all of the background to be able to have an opinion or to be able to, well, you know, I guess not to have an opinion, but to be able to go back and forth on it. That's just, that's what I was saying. I do think too, there is something to be said about how we were more easily able to like pick examples uh, of lighter skinned people who uh, we think or know are straight, who've like, as of Drake and then we had to like give hypotheticals of black people who have presented in this way and like I think there's something to be said there that we were able to pull real world examples of light skinned people and had to do hypotheticals of dark skinned straight people for this exercise a lot of this is entrenched white supremacy the hyper masculinity of the black male that we all take part in all right, worst story I've seen in a long time. Did you see this about the Alabama pastor? Oh my gosh, yes. 
oof, there's a piece of shit running around and you know, I don't even know how to get into this. There was a pastor in Alabama, uh, passed away now, took his own life. His name was F.L. Bubba Copeland. This gentleman cosplayed as a transgender woman and he was the mayor of a town, Smith Station, Alabama, and he was also a pastor. And he was put on blast by a place called 1819 News. They published photos of Copeland wearing women's clothing and alleged the pastor was leading a secret life as a transgender woman. Donnie, mm. could you find the name of the guy who wrote this article, please? I want to make sure he yep, gets his second credit. The article reported that he operated social media accounts identifying as a transition, transitioning transgender curvy girl. And he had self-authored transgender fiction. Okay. He said in a, an, uh, 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 an interview with 1819 News that it was a hobby and it was fantasy that he made up the stories and did the stuff to relieve stress and that the erotica was purely fiction. He deleted the accounts and requested that they not be made public, citing his family and position as a pastor. Um, he then went to the pulpit and addressed the article, the church service on Wednesday. He said, I've been the object of an internet attack in an article that was written without my capacity as a mayor, written about my capacity as a mayor and my capacity as a pastor. The article is not who I am or what I am. Um, as I said, I'm thankful for the grace that God gave me uh, and the willingness to forgive. I have nothing to be ashamed of. A lot of things that were said were taken out of context. This gentleman went on to kill himself mm. after this, unalive himself, should I say. The article was written by a gentleman that, by the name of Craig Monger, who works for 1819 News. Now, there are some people that say that this article was newsworthy. Uh, because it did more than talk about um, uh, Bubba Copeland's secret life as uh, a transgender lady. That Bubba Copeland had written fan fiction. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw this part. Yeah, I did. Where he fantasized about killing a member of the Smith Station community and assuming her identity. This was a real person that he wrote about. I thought it was fiction. It was a it was fictional account, but it was a real person. That, he named the person. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, and I'll ask you: Does that change things? For no, you? it doesn't. Turn okay. him into the authorities. Doesn't mean that you like if 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 he wrote a fictional novel about killing an actual person, then turn him into the authorities. That doesn't mean that what you need to do is write an entire article, publish photos of him dressed as a tra transgender woman, put like the messages that he had on Reddit, all of that. I'm sorry, this is an alt-right publication. This is a man who was the mayor of this small town and a pastor of what seems to be a large church in their community. And they wanted to humiliate him. They wanted to out him. I'm not going to, I'm not, um, you know, like saying it's okay what he wrote about in the erotica, the, the fiction. That's not okay. But there are ways to deal with that that don't include publishing an article about his personal life when you know in a small community like this that this is going to do tear him and his family apart. Because just a little bit on Bubba Copeland, I mean, this is a man who ran for mayor and all his whole outlook was to change the city from 
what it was to May, he called the city Mayberry and he wanted a different vision for it in 2023. He was about growing the businesses. He had this whole vision for it. And then four years before this, he had to step up with the city because the city was devastated by a tornado, an EF4 tornado. And uh, to even where the, the president came to, t- to talk to him and visit the community and commend him for the work that he was doing to step up as a leader. Everybody who talked about this man talked about what a good man he was and how good his heart was and how dedicated to the community that he was. So to me, you know, it just goes back to like, talking about, we were talking about Mike Johnson and his son and the porn and just sometimes these extremists, these people who are these, you know, fire and brimstone Christians are throat, like, are so ready to tear down somebody else, maybe because they're, they're hateful of their own thing or to hide what they're doing in their own personal life. And it's just, this is, to be a Christian is not this. This doesn't practice Christianity. And this was just such a way to demonize him is what they were doing. And it's just wrong on all accounts. And at the end of the day, the man ended up taking his life. So, I mean, we could talk about the fact that this was part of the newsworthiness of this was, you know, because the article about him writing the fiction came out, I think, three days later after the original article. So that wasn't originally what was in the reporting. Originally, what was in the reporting was the fact that this guy had another life as a transgender woman and that that was weird um, and bad for people. That's the way this reads. The way this reads is that your pastor is transgender. Your pastor isn't who he says he is. Your mayor isn't who he says he is. And so you need to be aware of the illicit things that they're doing behind uh, closed doors. That's the way this comes off. It doesn't come off as, hey, look, this person is a danger to the community. It doesn't come off like that. You don't think it insinuates that? Well, this is a small town in Alabama. Understand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is not, I'm, I'm using that in terms of people that would say, that him writing about killing a member of the community is dangerous and people needed to know. That's not the tenor of the article. The tenor mm-hmm. of the article is look at how poorly this person's character is. Look at mm-hmm. how weird or bad how this person ungodly. is. How ungodly this person mm-hmm. is. It's a, and you need to know. Um, this was an Audi. Yes, it um, was. And it is a perfect example of how people who are dealing with their sexual identity, their sexual orientation, how they're treated in communities all over the country. Mm -hmm. They have their business put on Front Street, even when they don't want it to be. Um, And then they're left to either live a life that deals with um, the shame, the weight of the shame for however long, you know, they have on the earth or to take their lives. And all too often they take their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was incredibly irresponsible, um, useless reporting, mean-spirited and evil reporting by Craig Monger and 1819 News and they should be uh, fucking ashamed of themselves. Absolutely. I mean, um, and not only ashamed of themselves, if I was the family of this man, I would file a wrongful death claim against the paper and against Craig Monger as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Something that... Lawsuit, I say, lawsuit. Something that, you know, when the article um, came out, 
Copeland's actually quoted, gave, gave quotes. Like he knew yeah, he that this article was coming. And something that he said, I want to know what you think about this. He said, what I do in my private life has nothing to do with what I do in my holy life. Hmm. You agree with that? Because it just makes me think of, um, oh boy, uh, come on, help me. The Christian rock star pastor. Uh, Carl Lentz. Makes me think of Carl Lentz. You and I had a back and forth where we don't, we didn't agree hmm. um, with how that was handled. And when I saw this quote, it made me think of that again. What I do in my private life has nothing to do with what I do in my holy life. Interesting. It depends on the way you look at it. So this is what I'll say. Um, I think a lot of this has to do with how it's judged on the outside. In the case of Carl, most of the soul searching that he was going to have to do was with his own family and putting his own family back together, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the things that he went through and the things that he put his family through. I actually spoke to him uh, a couple of times earlier this year. I talked to him. After the documentary came out? After the documentary came out. And he said something that I think is really interesting. And I know people are rooting against Carl because they hate it when they're disappointed in someone and people have all kinds of uh, of views on him. But he said something that's really interesting. He said, they always say that like you fall from grace, mm -hmm. that you fall from grace. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you can't fall from grace. You can only fall into grace. Mm. Grace is yeah. what you what you have for people. He's like, when you fall from grace is not a thing. You fall into grace. Mm -hmm. And if you have any type of faith or any type of belief in that, that's poignant. Mm -hmm. Because grace is what you should have for people when they fail. Mm -hmm. And grace is what God has for people when they fail. So when you fall, when you fall, you fall into grace. Yeah. And a lot of times as human beings, we don't provide that grace. And that's just who part of who we are. But I but I see I see it a lot in the Christian faith. And I think that really is something. When you and I just agreed about Carl Lentz, I said, I thought he should be removed from the position, not the church. I don't believe in turning your back. Like, that's not Christianity. That's not Christian values. I don't believe in turning your back on somebody or kicking them or outcat, put it like out. Ooh, I cannot talk. Or putting them, uh, expelling them from the church. You're supposed to wrap your arms around them and like help them and, and support them and be better. Those are the values. Like maybe they aren't deemed to have that leadership position anymore, right? Like with um, Copeland here, he wasn't, maybe he wasn't deemed to have that position, right? I, I will agree with that. But it doesn't mean that he needed to be outed and shamed because that's not what the values are. And I don't understand why that constantly gets lost I don't understand how you can do one thing as a Christian and totally forget the other side of it. So I think it's all the same thing. When I say all the same thing, I mean um, even removing somebody from a leadership position. I think all of it's the same thing. Okay. Um, I think of a guy named Ted Haggard. Do you remember him? No. So Ted Haggard was the, uh, it's one of the best documentaries anybody could ever watch. The Trials of Ted Haggard. They did a hmm. couple of them. Ted Haggard was, a, um, was in Colorado. He was a, big mega church that he was the pastor of, right? And Ted Haggard was gay. Mm -hmm. uh, he was he was gay. He was living a dual life. He had had sexual relations with, with someone that got caught. They outed him. And then it happened again. There was some sex and some drugs involved, all that stuff. And there was this really amazing documentary called The Trials of Ted Haggard. 
And it was about his life after that had happened. Mm-hmm. And they just obliterated them. Everything that he had was through the church, right? Mm-hmm. So his family had to move to another state. There yeah. was all of them living in like a one or two bedroom house. He was like passing out leaflets around town. He was just looking for work. His family stayed together. Um, he still had his faith. He was a closeted gay man that had a family, but Christianity, the place that was supposed to have given him a soft bed to land in, who was supposed to have given him the opportunity to fall into grace, just destroyed him mm-hmm. and cast him out and just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Just didn't care what happened to them. Um, and I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened after that, but you could just see that like a life and several lives around them were destroyed because of people's disappointment or whatever. I don't know who should be in leadership and who shouldn't be in leadership. I don't think that having a personal failing is grounds to take somebody's leadership away from them. I think having a personal failing is actually a way that you can connect with someone that's in a leadership position. If you're not preying on your church parishioners, if you're not leveraging your power inside of a place to victimize the people inside of there, I think leaders come in all forms and fashions. And I think to say that someone isn't fit for leadership because they made a human mistake is actually counter counterintuitive to what Christianity really is, right? Mm. I mean, like I like I, I do. I like I don't think I think you can lead in a different way. I don't think that leaders have to be pure. I, think I didn't say leaders, that. I didn't say that. Well, that's what it, that's what because it, the new I would be expect be expecting them to be perfect. What I'm saying is, leading a church in that way is different. I didn't say you should like you can be a leader in other ways. I totally condemn them kicking him out of the church, removing his entire well being from him, everything that he was taught because it's it's hypocrisy. It contradicts the teachings of the very of the church. But I don't necessarily mean that. I think it's a distraction, right? I'm not saying he couldn't come back to that place. I just think Carl Lentz or even Copeland for this matter, I don't want to speak too much on him because he died in such a tragic way, but it's a distraction to hold that leadership position when what you did was so public. Distraction from what? From what you're doing. Which People is aren't what? listening to you. They're paying attention to your outside life. This is where this is, comes right into the, just what does my private life have to do with my holy life? I'm looking at you and I'm, I, that's, at the moment, that's all I can think of. I'm not saying I can't come back from that, but it is a distraction. Take a step down. I even think as a leader, you would want to take a step down you, because you, might you are want a distraction. I think you can lead in other ways. Eventually, you might come back. I agree with you with what you're saying about, I think I said on this podcast, I went to a church, not Concord, because I don't want anybody to, to, to confuse it to Pastor Carter, but I grew up in a church in West Dallas. The pastor impregnated a woman and while his wife was there. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget it at 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And the church was split on whether he should stay or he should go. And by one vote, they removed him from his position. Right. He decided to leave from, from then on and start his own church. But as I got older, I understood that. Right. The wife the mistress, the baby sitting off. From, it's just, a, it's just a once again, once again, in that, in that situation, and I'm not sure if it might've been somebody that worked in a church for Ted Hacker too. Once again, in that situation, if you are having sex with people that are in the church and you are leveraging your power mm-hmm. as a, as a, 
as a pastor, mm-hmm. I think inside of any place that you work, if you're le- if you're leveraging your power to fuck on the interns and fuck on the parishioners and do all of that, that's different. I think if you have an affair outside of your marriage, uh, I think that people have to be willing to listen to all types of testimonies, and the testimony Absolutely. and the testimony can't just be, hey. This is what you do to be a better person. This is what you do to worship God. The testimony also has to be, I'm your leader. I failed myself. I failed you. And let me tell you why that's something that can work for your life. Like being an example is not just being an example of being perfect. Correct. Being an example is being an example of being human. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, I don't want to get into a whole religious thing, but a lot of the reason why people have turned their backs on Christianity or any sort of thing that asks you to live your life to a standard is because they don't think that they can. And they think And they don't want to be judged. And it's very judgmental. And they don't want to lose. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I actually think I look at these things in a different way because I look at these people as people created by God and not gods to other people. I I do too. I don't look at pastors as gods. I learned that very at a very young age. Yeah. Uh, but look, here's the deal. This is what I'll say. Uh, to 1819 News and to this guy, Craig Monger, fuck you guys. And I hope that in some kind of way, you pay. Like, I hope in some kind of way, you pay. Uh, it, the, the, the gentleman's yeah. name is at Craig Monger, you, you, Craig Monger 1819. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, don't save your shame. This was just egregious in the worst way. I think it's fucking terrible. I think it's terrible. All right, we got to go. What a weird show. Um, look, look I, I, here's the thing, guys. Fuck it. Mm, that's what I'll say. Fuck it. Rach is still on a BravoCon high. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Maybe a little bit. Yes, you are. So what are you going to do now that BravoCon is over? Do you have anything else to to, to live for? Wow. I'm sure I could find some things to live for. I have a big luncheon this week that I'm planning with the Alzheimer's Association to talk about preventative measures and getting people who have, you know, uh, relatives that are affected by, or even friends that are affected by this disease because it really impacts a lot of people to get them more comfortable talking about it, creating a community within ourselves, and then doing some of those preventative measures such as brain health, things that you could do to, um, we're having a panel to talk about it. You know what you could do? What? For Alzheimer's? You could eat eggs. Okay, well, great. That's one. You could eat eggs, help you from, from, from getting it. But I think that they're gonna, I think that they're gonna figure it out pretty soon. There's a lot of developing research on it. So yeah, that's a big lunch that we're having. Are you, uh, are you a shill of Big Pharma? Um, no, those two do not equate to each other. I'm not. Oh, sure. definitely. When all when Alzheimer's gets. No, I mean my luncheon. Sorry. Is it sponsored by Big Pharma? No, it's not sponsored by Big Pharma. It's I like sponsored Big, by the Alzheimer's Association. I like Big Pharma. But I'm not Big gonna Pharma lie. cures this disease, I'm not mad at I'm, it. I'm fucking with Big Pharma. I'm like crazy. Like, I've seen the impact. And that's what I should also add. It's also about people who have to be caretakers because it is so difficult to be a caretaker of someone suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's. Everyone who's out there doing that, shout out to you guys. It's tough. It is very tough. tough. All right, we're out of here. Take the caps off with Nonstop Learning. I'm Van Lee's Jr. I'm Rachel Lemons. Bravo Con. <laughs> Bye.